You are listening to the Practice Growth Podcast with Sean Terrell. Welcome to the Practice Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Terrell, and really excited about the guest for today's episode, Dr. Diana Pelzer. Dr. Diana is the owner-dentist of The Nest, a pediatric dental practice in Waukee, Iowa. She completed her DDS at the University of Iowa in 2014 and two years later completed her pediatric residency also at the University of Iowa. Dr. Diana, welcome to the Practice Growth Podcast. It's great to have you here. Hi, Sean. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So really excited to dive into your story. And let's just start with some context for the audience. And maybe in addition to a couple of the, the high-level highlights I mentioned about your, your education, could you just share a little bit more about your background, kind of how you got to this point in your career, and then kind of how you came to open up your own pediatric dental practice? Yes, um, I am a native Iowan. I grew up in the Quad Cities, and I went to the University of Iowa for my undergraduate degree, my dental school training, and also my residency in pediatric dentistry. After that, I moved to the Des Moines area where I've been practicing as a board-certified pediatric dentist for the last now, gosh, four and a half years. No, longer. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, (laughs) Time flies when you're having fun. (laughs) And so initially, I was an associate in a local practice. I did that for two years. Um, After that, I was working in public health pediatric dentistry and... um, I did that while I was building my own practice, which now opened this summer in 2020 in Waukee, Iowa, called The Nest Pediatric Dentistry. Awesome. So 10 years in a row in Iowa City as someone who spent four years there as an undergrad a long time ago. How did you take 10 years of Iowa City? Oh, I kind of loved it. Uh, it's a great town. I miss um, I miss it, actually. It's, it's a fun place and there's a lot of energy there. Um, Des Moines great too. So I feel like, uh, you know, just moving West a little bit at a time, (laughs) things are going, things are going okay. So I think maybe a familiar path for a lot of dentists is that they start out as an associate and then eventually move into ownership. Uh, Your thoughts and kind of your background on how you decided that the ownership path was for you as opposed to kind of staying on the associate path as some people are more comfortable with. How did you think about making that decision? Uh, that's a great question. Um, well, as as an owner now, I can see that it's exactly what I was supposed to have done. And I'm really glad that I took the leap. Um, but as an associate, I really enjoyed being um, in a practicing with someone else and having a larger staff, having a really well-run office. I really, really liked that. Um, but it just, that opportunity was not meant to be. And that's like a whole nother conversation maybe that we could have someday, but (laughs) (laughs) for now we'll, we'll keep it classy and say it just wasn't meant to be. Um, and so after resigning there, I, I did the public health thing just for a while as kind of a space filler. And I just, I, I considered other options. Honestly, I thought about everything and, um, you know, public health, teaching, which I do go and teach at the College of Dentistry and Pediatric Dentistry as well once a month, but um, other associateships I interviewed and discussed other options with or without the ownership track. And eventually I just, I, I knew that I wasn't comfortable with any option that um, I wasn't, I guess, really in charge of. I, mm-hmm. I know that I can count on myself. 
mm-hmm. and I needed to recognize my own potential and push myself because just really honestly, the where I've been previously, I know that I'm a really clinically competent, very good pediatric dentist. Like that part, I'm, I got that. I am really good with kids. I can do it. Mm-hmm. But the rest of it that goes with it is a whole nother animal. And right. so I knew that I just had to, I knew I had to do it. And early in my career, I feel like I had the most um, opportunity there too, to not, you know, to take this time and, and to do it how I wanted to and, and just jump in with two feet. And you started from scratch. It was a cold start or a scratch start, which uh, is not uncommon, but it's also not the easiest path to jump into ownership. Um, I would imagine that just involves a number of decisions. And maybe could you share a little bit more about what that experience was like for you from all the decisions you had to make? And I'm sure even though you're still early into your practice, I'm sure you've learned a few things just through that process. Absolutely. It was a really um, bumpy road to get started. And um, I guess the first one was deciding to open on my own. So once I decided that I really dove into, okay, how do I want it to, where do I want it to be? How do I want it to feel? Do I want to own my own land? Or do I want to lease a space? Mm -hmm. Um, Because especially with those two options, that timeline is very different. Mm -hmm. And I knew that um, I wanted to not be limited or be forced to move, especially dental practices are very expensive to build and to outfit. The equipment is very expensive and time consuming to put together. And I didn't want to be forced out of a location or, you know, want to expand and not have that possibility. So again, I just bet on myself and said, okay, I'm getting a beautiful piece of Iowa farmland and (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to build a beautiful office on it. And I, I ended up um, with a, a lot on a very busy street, mm-hmm. um, which as a pediatric dentist, I don't necessarily need the drive-by traffic of, you know, maybe a general dentist, but um, I've already found that many people find us by driving by mm-hmm. just because of the, of the wonderful location. So that was the first step is finding where I wanted to be near my husband's practice, um, near our home, um, near the community, the community within the community that we live. And, um, Buying the land, that took about a year just okay. to purchase the land, which was crazy. Plow down the corn like in Field of Dreams, yeah. right? <laughs> well, it didn't have corn on it when I when we developed it, but it, it, uh, it was definitely nothing else there. So to acquire the land was a year. And then the actual building process was, and construction was very simple and straightforward, which I thought that would be the hardest. Mm-hmm. But it went really well, even building during a pandemic. And opening um, on time, basically. So it worked out really well. So many places we could go from there. I guess what interests me next is, you know, you mentioned going out on your own. And there's this leap of faith that I think would probably have to occur, right? You you can do market research about pediatric dental practices. And there's one three miles this way or two miles this way. Uh, but at the end of the day, you kind of just have to make that leap. And it's you know, it's not like betting 20 bucks at the blackjack table. It's, it's a lot of money. Uh, it's significant. Yes. How did you mentally, I guess, get there and what, what research or how did you get yourself more comfortable with making that leap? Well, I was very familiar having lived um, in this area for several years previously. I knew um, in the 
approximate location where I wanted to be that would be most beneficial to my patients that I'd seen previously and we really wanted to come see me again. Um, and so I, I think that was just me knowing the area was very helpful. Um, and then other than that, I don't know, I think just really reading a lot. And I, I read a lot of books about branding and things like that. And, and just putting a lot of thought into how I wanted it to feel and where I wanted it to be and really the whole experience of the, of the office. To get to shape that from, from absolute scratch had to be fun at the same time. What were some of the guiding principles you thought about or that you used to, okay, this is what I really want the, the vision, the philosophy of my practice to be. How did you think about that? Um, well, I think it starts with the care that I want to provide for my patients. And that is that, um, it's about the whole child. It's about their experience, about how they feel comfortable. I want them to gain the knowledge and the skills to be not only a good patient now, but for the rest of their lives. And sometimes I feel like they're dental mom, honestly, because I just like, I give the, you know, teenagers and brushing their teeth. I'm gonna give you a little tough love, but you know, <laughs> the little ones, sometimes they need a hug or some, you know, just some extra time. And so I think that's where just analyzing how I practice and how I wanted my patients and their families to be taken care of. That's really where I started. And um, that's why I named it the nest pediatric dentistry, because it evokes a certain feeling of like coziness and care. And um, I think, you know, just my overall vision with the name and the colors and the design of the building it's uh, it's pretty unique and it's it's um, very modern. I feel like compared to especially other dental offices, other pediatric dental offices, and I hear that from parents a lot that they really appreciate all of those things. So you mentioned a little bit ago that your husband has a practice. He's actually a pediatrician, and I would think that's a little bit unique, probably not unheard of, but a pediatric dentist and a pediatrician to be uh, married. How does that? bleed in, I guess, professionally, I would think there's some crossover with child psychology and child behavior and behavior modification. Is that mm -hmm. a common topic in the house or <laughs> is it like when we're home, no work? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah. So Dan is a pediatrician and his practice is just a couple miles um, east of my office. And a lot of the families that have come to know and love him are finding me too, which I feel like their expectations are really high when they meet him first. And then I'm the second Pelzer. Um, I always hope to be their favorite, but um, <laughs> you know, that's just a goal of mine. Uh, we don't, we don't really talk about our patients at home. And I know that that's probably disappointing to some people, but honestly, like it's just, you know, we, that's one of the greatest parts about working with kids and other people's kids is that we get to love with them, love them and, you know, send them back home with, with you. And then that's great. <laughs> and then we can focus on our own child when we're at home. So I think that leads to my next question, which I'm really interested in. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we started recording and I mentioned how much my perspective about kids had changed since I became a parent. I'm interested in kind of your perspective in that you were a pediatric dentist before you became a mother, a parent, and how did becoming a mother change your perspective? And I don't want to lead the witness, but did it change your perspective, I guess? And if so, yeah. how, uh, with how you practice and how you think about treating your patients? Um, it definitely changed, you know, how 
how much patience I have and how much um, understanding I feel like of not of kids, but of parents, because mm. <laughs> <laughs> kids are are very um, black and white, cut and dry. Like they they'll tell you how it is, and I that's what I love about them. But um, I do understand, you know, sometimes parents are frustrated or they feel like they are powerless. You know, my kid won't let me brush, or you know, and I I feel like having the mom card that I can play that occasionally, just in that I understand that. And I, Mm -hmm. I also know that we can have power in that. Like, yeah, you are the mom, like, let's, let's get her done, you know? Um, and I think the other thing that I've learned that is really important is that, um, you know, typically I start seeing patients about age one Mm. for their first dental visit when they have teeth. That's the recommendation from the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry. And, um, you know, not everyone comes at one and that's okay, but you know, obviously the sooner the better. And I have found with my daughter that gosh, you know, at age one, she already had all these patterns established and, and her, what she likes to, you know, eat and how we brush and, you know, does she go to bed with nursing or a bottle or these sippy cups or whatever? Like by the time they see me, it's almost too late. And so (laughs) that's why I feel like, um, it really adds fuel to my fire to get these kids in early so that we can have the most, um, you know, the most bang for our buck with, in terms of prevention and taking care of them and helping them have the best life and to actually prevent problems rather than just, you know, filling holes, filling cavity holes. So that was something that was a paradigm shift for me. And I know a number of people listening are dentists or work in the dental industry, but maybe there's some people that don't or that are in the dental industry, but don't have a lot of experience with pediatrics. Uh, yeah, I just, I didn't realize that they needed, that kids needed to go to the dentist that early. And I guess how common mm-hmm. is that? I'm being a little bit vulnerable in sharing that. But No, that's, that's a really common thing. And I hear that from a lot of, um, a lot of parents. Um, I think that that's just a huge um, component of awareness that could be um, better in our world just in general. Um, and I think, you know, unfortunately, people still get misinformation from not only um, their family doctors or even, you know, pediatricians, some, um, some family dentists, they'll say, oh, just come in when you're two or three or four or five. And you know, unfortunately, I'm I'm the one that I see these kids when they're two or three or four or five, and they've got all these problems that if maybe we had started a little earlier could have been prevented. Interesting. Interesting. Um, let's rewind a little bit. How did you decide and when did you know that you wanted to be a dentist? Oh, that's a fun story. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know this story, so yeah, I, I, yeah, this is, I, I, I mean, asked it I, honestly. So, I mean, I guess I shouldn't have called it fun. I'll let you decide. But um, so I was a 19-year-old college freshman um, or after my freshman year, I was waiting tables, which is actually a great, really great job and prepared me very well to be a dentist, even though I didn't know it at that time. Um, I was waiting tables and I had um, the patio section at this restaurant. That was my section. And so one night I was finishing up and I was really excited because I was going to leave early. Um, But... I was not so lucky, a very large group of sweaty, gross, amateur hockey players come in. Okay. And they sit down and they take up like my whole entire section. They're, they're like hooting and hollering and being all weird. And, um, so anyway, took care of them, called, calmed them down and, uh, you know, waited on them. And then, uh, one of them 
asked me, okay, hey, what's your name? Like, what are you studying? People would do that occasionally. And, and I, you know, I was like, oh, my name's Diana. I'm a, I'm like 99% of college freshmen. I'm pre-med. And <laughs> um, I don't think I probably said it that way, but that's, that's, that was the message. And he was like, oh, that's great. You know, at your age, I was, I was considering the same thing. And I took the entrance exams for medical school, dental school, and law school. And I had my choice of any of the three that I wanted to do. And now I'm a dentist. And hmm. I really like that career and you should look into it. And so I was like, great, you know, nice, cool. Leave me a big tip, you know, whatever. <laughs> and um, so later, a couple of days later, I looked into it and it was absolutely perfect for what I wanted. I had no idea and had never considered it. Hmm. Um, but it was very, it was very interesting to me because it fit a lot of my natural abilities and interests, I guess. I really like to talk with people and take care of them. And um, I like to work with my hands. I really like to paint and crochet and cook and bake and just things that are like that. Um, and so I, I don't know who that was. <laughs> and I wish I could and say thank you because he changed the course of my life with that very casual two-minute conversation. So he was a hockey player? Did I... Yeah. So he's just, no, he was just, it was like some Wednesday night that he was on this like amateur hockey team. Okay. And he was a dentist during the day and he just did that for fun. Okay. And this was in Iowa city. <laughs> uh, this was in the quad cities. Okay. I had gone home for the summer. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And just, yeah. wow. And so, so you never know. Right. So prior to that point, you thought it was going to be medicine and I, yeah, I did. I mean, I like science. I, I'm, I was, you know, straight A student, all those things, all the important things. And that just seemed like the natural choice. And so I'm so glad that he said something because I never would have considered it otherwise. Hmm. And from there, you went down the dental track the next three years, got into dental school. And then mm -hmm. at what point did you decide to specialize and maybe kind of same, same question? What made you decide to do that? Why did that become important to you? Well, um, I really liked seeing kids um, in dental school. We do different rotations where we try the different specialties and get experience that way. And I really, I really enjoyed the pediatric um, dental appointments and with the kids and everything. And um, it wasn't until, I mean, my husband definitely suggested it. Like you're going to really like seeing kids and I should know that he's right. But um, one of the dental assistants in pediatric dentistry, she, she really took me aside and said, you know, you're really, really good at this. You need to, you need to do it. And so I thought, okay, yeah, I wanted to see a lot of kids. Um, but as a general dentist, you can do that. And mm -hmm. so I, I checked in with one of the pediatric dental faculty members, um, Dr. Canellis, if anybody knows who's, who that is. Yeah. And I said, um, you know, I'm considering doing a residency, but I'm not sure. What do you think? Which is a very loaded question to a pediatric dentist <laughs> because <laughs> he's going to encourage you to do it. Um, but he was, he was very, um, he was very encouraging to me and he knew that I had the potential to do it. And he said that seeing it, being a general dentist who sees kids is very different than being a pediatric dentist. And I couldn't agree more. Um, that's exactly what my residency prepared me to do is to not only just see kids, but to be a pediatric dental specialist. And I'm, I'm so glad again, that others have <laughs> guided my path to, to be where I need to be. If you could go back to that D4 or maybe even that uh, chief resident version of yourself, 
what would you tell yourself four or five years ago? And I, and I get you, you get better clinically practicing as time goes on. So be <laughs> more on the personal or professional side, business owner side, what, uh, what advice would you give yourself? Um, I, I don't know, I guess I didn't recognize my own potential at some points. And I think that I, I spent a lot of time worrying about, um, possible negative outcomes, like, oh, they're not going to let me into dental school. That's never going to happen. Oh, they're not going to let me into residency. They'll for sure know that I'm not a good fit for that. And no one ever said no. And so I think that was kind of a waste of time. (laughs) Um, And I think that I just needed to be more confident in myself and know that I'm smarter than I know and tougher than I think. Interesting. And that's a common refrain. I think I've asked that question to a few people and, uh, they do have some sort of regret about not just enjoying the journey a little bit more. And I know that wasn't exactly what you said, but just kind of mm-hmm. like just mm-hmm. relaxing a little bit more. Yeah. Because, and I get it. I, I've never experienced what you guys experienced, but from the outside looking in, I mean, dental school and, and residency seems it's, man, it's, it seems like a tough journey. <laughs> it seems like it there's is, a lot of things to try to juggle and balance. It is, but it's so worth it because you get to do on the other side, you get to have a great career and you get to have choices in your life. It's not a dead end road. It's really exciting. So you opened in the middle of a pandemic. Is that fairly accurate? Yeah, yeah, sure did. What <laughs> <laughs> What was going through your mind in mid-March when you're a couple months out from opening the doors and dentists across Iowa and really across the country are shut down for at least two months? Well, that was a that was an interesting time. And I was I was nervous for many reasons, one of which was because I was still in the middle of construction. And especially at the end of construction, that's when a lot of the really exciting things happen. A lot of um, equipment gets shipped in and all the final design touches are put on. And so there's a lot of materials that are required at that time. And I was really nervous that with supply chains shutting down, that that would be um, delaying my office. And I had already waited and worked so hard and long to be able to, to build my dream and to do it. So I was, I was nervous about that, but, um, I had a great, uh, design build firm that really came through for me. And, um, so that, that actually was okay. Um, I opened almost exactly on time and I had, um, a lot of people that were waiting for me to open. I had a lot of patients that were just like I hear it every day in my office and it just warms my heart. They are like, where have you been? We are so excited to be here. (laughs) So I think that that, that made me feel better about opening and hitting the ground running is that I had people who were in my corner and and ready to go. So the title of the podcast is the practice growth podcast. How do you think about growth for your practice? I know you're in the early stages, but how do you see the next one year, three year, five years for the nest? Um, I, I can see it's just going to get busier and busier. I, I feel really excited, um, to have more and more patients that are finding us, um, every day. And as, as dentistry does, you know, we're going to double almost every six months. So I'm pretty excited to have these kids come back again and again and again. And that's the best part of being a pediatric dentist is seeing them grow up and change and, um, you know, just become themselves basically. And I think for me, the, the patients that are the biggest raving fans are the ones that I've seen before and the ones that know my husband and know me and that are, are finding a dental home in my office. And I know that that piece, that part specifically is going to just absolutely launch us. 
Well, the new website looks great. I haven't been into the practice yet, but one Thank thing that you. stood out to me was uh, the little door that you have for the kids <laughs> to walk through. So I'm the father of a toddler. He's almost three and uh, Teddy hasn't been to the nest yet. He's overdue, but I know he's going to love walking through that door. Yes. <laughs> was that, uh, where did that idea come from? Cause that stood out to me. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about how I wanted my office to be designed in terms of the flow of it and, um, you know, the size of the rooms and how the like open bay would be the flow of traffic and all of those things. Um, I really wanted it to feel like fresh and modern and, and built for kids, but not like kitty. I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, I have teenagers, I have little kids, I have, and I've got everybody. I have patients with special healthcare needs. And so it was really important to me that everyone feel comfortable and calm there. And parents are really excited about it too. I mean, the, the colors are beautiful. The, the butterfly roof is really fun. And the, the little door is really the kicker. That was kind of a, an afterthought almost, mm -hmm. but it's, it's been awesome. Kids love to go through it. It offers them a choice of going through the big, you know, the big, do you want to go through the big one? You want to go through the little door and they all pick the little door <laughs> and even some of the parents, but, but it gets them excited to come in. Like what's on the other side of that door. And I think that that is really the, the vibe we're going for. So for listeners that are interested in checking out a picture of the door and learning more about the nest, where is the best place to get more information about your practice? And uh, what's the website? If you could share it, Diana. Yes. Um, our website is thenestdsm.com. And um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at thenestdsm. And that's the best place for people to get in touch with you if they're interested. Yeah, in, uh, checking yeah, everything we're, out. yeah, we're uh, we're cool, we're modern, we're uh, digital, paperless, all good things. So <laughs> you can text us, you can call us, you can do whatever you like. Awesome. Well, hey, this has been so much fun. Really enjoyed uh, the conversation, hearing more about uh, your story and your uh, your growing practice, the the nest in, in Waukee, Iowa. Doctor Diana Pelzer, thank you very much for being a guest on the Practice Growth Podcast. Thanks, Sean. Sean Terrell is a registered representative, certified exit planner, and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. PAS is a direct, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Terrell Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or Terrell Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Compliance tracking number 2020-111779, expiration date November 2022.